What's in a number? Carolina men's basketball released their roster and jersey numbers for the upcoming season last week. And while it might just seem like a collection of names and numbers, there's more to it than meets the eye. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, August 7th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shaden, and I want to welcome you into today's episode of the show. For you everydayers, welcome in. Glad you're here. If you're just visiting or checking us out for the first time, welcome. Come on in. Be part of this community. We'd love to have you. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Woo! Coming up on today's show, pretty chock-a-block full of content. What we can learn from the ACC preseason football rankings that were released last week. We've got, boy oh boy, do we have conference realignment madness going on right now. Um, and I was on vacation all week last week. I know we had shows all last week, but I had pre-recorded those. The top 10 countdown uh, that ran Monday through Wednesday. And then uh, a couple episodes with Coach Pat Kilby where we talked about Harrison Ingram. and then. On Friday, did kind of that that uh, dream summer scrimmage episode, and so would love for you to go back and check those out. All that to say, had a great vacation week with my family. Got so many well wishes from so many of you out there. Thank you for thinking of me and my family. It, it just means a lot, and it's a great reminder that we really are all connected and part of this thing together. But man, I'm so excited to be back, getting after it. It's early August, and we got a school year ahead of us, and it's going to be so much fun. Buckle up, dive in, and let's do this upcoming season, the 2023-24 year together. All right, all that said, last week while I was gone, Carolina put out for their basketball team this upcoming season the names on the roster and the jersey numbers. Um, And what you get with that, while I kind of joked off the top that it just seems like a random connection collection of numbers and names and stuff, it's always fun to dive into this and, and look at what's changed, why things might change, and some takeaways that we can learn from all of that. Uh, plus, we get heights and weights, at least as of right now, and it's interesting to compare and contrast those with previous years. And we also have some some new rules in college basketball this year that are going to allow for some new jersey numbers. So several things to talk through. Let me go through it by jersey number order and then we'll come back with just a couple takeaways from it including what i think is the biggest thing to notice from looking at this year's roster so let's start right at the beginning there is no number zero this year interestingly enough but number one is going to be zayden high clocks in at six nine to twenty five number two elliot cadeau that number's been worn by a host of great backcourt players for the Tar Heels, obviously. Uh, Elliot comes in at 6'1", 180. Number three, Cormac Ryan. He wore 23 at Stanford. 
obviously can't have that at North Carolina. And he wore number five at Notre Dame. Well, that's Armando's number, so he can't have it. So he chooses three. Cormac Ryan is 6'5", 195. Interestingly, that's his same numbers, height and weight, as last year at Notre Dame. Number four, RJ Davis, no change there. And in terms of height and weight, still six foot, but he has put on five pounds up from 175 to 180 this season. Um, and then following him, no change. Armando Baycott, number five. He's still 6'11, but also up five pounds, just like RJ from 235 to 240. No number six, as has always been the case. Uh, because in college, they don't let you go above what you can do on one hand. However, that is the new rule now is that you can do like six, seven, eight, nine. And so there's no six, but Seth Trimble switches from zero to seven. So you can do this now. And um, so Seth was zero last year. He's still six, three. However, he goes up three pounds from 192 to 195, or as I like to call it, lunch. <laughs> right? Anybody else? No? Okay, great. Um, but it was interesting. UNC's release about this talked about the last time some of these more obscure numbers were used. So number seven, Seth Trimble is the la is the first Tar Heel to wear it since Simon Terrell wore it from 1948 to 1950. So it's been a minute. And then number eight is Paxson Wojcik, the incoming grad transfer from Brown. Similarly to Seth wearing seven, Wojcik is the first Tar Heel to wear number eight since Dick Patterson wore it in home games in 1949 and 50. Now, very interestingly, it's very interesting to me that the release specified in home games, as though Patterson was probably wearing a different number at away games. No other reason to specify that. As for Wojcik, previously, he's worn number zero and number 32. He wore both of those at Loyola. He wore both of those at Brown and switches now to number eight. Interesting stuff there. In terms of height and weight, Wojcik was, is still 6'5". He was um, 200, played at 200 pounds last year. It's currently listed at 195 for the Tar Heels, so actually down five pounds. Going all the way from eight to 13 is Jalen Washington. No change there. He was 13 last year. Still 6'10", but he also bulks up five pounds from 225 to 230. Love to see that. Now, here we get some back-to-back -back really cool story type numbers. Number 14 this year is Creighton Lebo. If you know your Tar Heels history, you know why that's a really cool change. Creighton previously was number 25 for the Tar Heels. Couldn't be 14 because that was Puff Johnson. Now, this makes sense because you can probably guess, since I'm alluding to history, Creighton's dad, Jeff, now an assistant coach, wore number 14 when he played for the Tar Heels. Really, really cool stuff there. And you just love those family moments. But what's cool is the next person numerically is doing the same thing. Walk-on Rob Landry is switching from 15 to 22. Couldn't previously wear 22 because that was Justin McCoy. But now that Justin is off to Hawaii... Congrats to you, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Although, I've, you know, he's gone. That's sad, but it's cool that he's in Hawaii. Anyway, Rob Landry, just like Creighton, is now taking on wearing his father's number. Pierce, Pierce Rob's dad, wore 22 at Carolina, and Rob will now, too. Next, numerically, is Jalen Withers, number 24. That was always my number growing up playing baseball. And that's the same number he wore in his um, three... 
um, years since his redshirt year at Louisville. So came in, did, had a redshirt year, wore number three, but Withers has been 24 each of the last three years. He clocks in at 6'9", 215. Same thing that I said with Paxson Wojcik, down five pounds this year, was playing at 220 last year. Next, numerically, is 32, Mr. James Aconquo, coming from West Virginia. Same number he wore both years for the Mountaineers there. And his numbers, 6'8", 240, that's the exact same as last year at West Virginia. 34, Dewey Ferris, no change there. Everything's the same. And then finally, number 55, Harrison Ingram, same number that he wore both his years at Stanford. So a couple guys keeping their same numbers as they come over. In fact, Harrison Ingram's height and weight is the exact same as last year at Stanford as well. 6'7", 230. Now, a couple things I want to point out about the roster outside of things we've already talked about. Some of the lineage stuff that's really cool and some just... Nobody, nobody major changes in height or weight. Everything is just three to five pounds up or down. And so no major swings there. Also noticeable is a name that's not on this list that didn't graduate was one of last year's walk-ons and a very famous Tar Heel last name. And that's Bo May, who is not on this year's roster from everything I've been able to read and see, we don't have any specific knowledge from Bo as to a reason. And so definitely can, can work on finding that out and uh, report back on it as we learn more, or I'm sure somebody out there will report on it at some point. Now, a couple other things to notice, including still, I haven't said what I think is the most important thing yet, but right now on this roster that's been rolled out, there are 14 total players 11 scholarship players as you're probably well aware because i've talked about it a lot remember uh, carolina still hasn't used a couple of their scholarships there and and obviously still could and then the three non-scholarship players are rob landry creighton lebo and dewey ferris so we'll see what happens there if coach davis um gives a couple scholarships to those walk-on guys to be able to use. That'd be really neat. Now, the big thing I notice when I look at this roster is just how veteran-laden this team is. I knew it, but I hadn't put it together just because of all the change, right? Like, I know these guys coming in are upperclassmen and this and that, but until I saw it all put together like this, like I organized the roster by class, I was like, holy smokes, this thing is so veteran laden. There were only two players of all 14 on this roster that are without college experience. And obviously that's the freshman in Elliot Cadeau and Zayden High. And in fact, just four of the 14 players have one year or less playing time. That's the two freshmen plus Jalen Washington and Seth Trimble, who again have to take a massive step forward because they're going to contribute hopefully in major ways. So that means that 10 of Carolina's 14 listed roster players right now have been in college. Um, excuse me. Uh, two or more years already. And this will be their third or fourth or fifth year. You've got two listed. You've got two juniors, three seniors and five grads. And that's great. Now, obviously all three, well, not obviously, you might not be aware of it, but all three of those walk-on guys fall into either the senior or graduate 
level designation. So it's not like all of your contributors that are in those 10 um, most experienced players, but you do have a lot of your rotation guys in that, that 10 veteran group. You love, love to see that. And I, what runs through my head all the time is something that Roy Williams always talked about. It's not just about having experience. It's not just about having talent, but it's about having experienced talent. And that's what Carolina has. And I know, listen, the ideal, what we would all love to see is these guys all be homegrown, get old together, stay old together, and play old together. But man, like it or not, that's just not the reality of where we're at right now, especially at the top end of college basketball with, with trying to keep all these guys together. And so what that means that coach Davis is having to do is go out and get old through just bringing old guys in. And that's something that Eric Musselman, for example, at Arkansas has done really well the last couple of years through the transfer portal. So hopefully coach Davis can do the same as he gets in a bunch of veteran guys who have played multiple years of college basketball already and can hopefully come together for a bigger purpose. So the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from looking at this roster, the names are great, the numbers are great, the heights and weights are great, but the thing that's most intriguing to me is that column that shows the class they're in and just how many old old heads are on this team. Carolina has to take advantage of that. They have to sacrifice for the greater good and go out and do what they know they can do, being a veteran-laden group. Well, that is enough basketball talk for today. We will have some more tomorrow. I want to talk about the battle for Atlanta stuff that recently came out as well. But today, I want to move to talking about football with the ACC preseason rankings coming out for um, the football rankings for the conference. I want to unpack it. Again, several things I notice as I look at this takeaways, what it means for schedules and other things like that. So we're going to talk about all of that in just a second. But before we do, I need to tell you that today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the very best talent that's out there and available. It's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's really easy to create a free job post, and then you just add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And then you can use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skill set and experience. And then that'll allow it to be easy to quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then ultimately hire. Let's be honest, the right new team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. All of this is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, you everydayers, thanks for tuning in. You probably are aware of it, but I've been talking about pretty soon here, we're going to be 
um, doing a mailbag episode towards the beginning of August. Always good to do that as we get into fall practice. So I will be rolling that out, not this week, but next week. So make sure you're getting your questions in this week. Locked on Tar Heels at gmail.com, or you can submit it on Twitter. And of course, as I've said, if you want to submit a video, email it on in 10 to 15 seconds. Give us your name, where you're from, and your question. And then you just might hear or see yourself on the show. All right. Preseason ACC rankings came out last week. Again, I was gone, so I want to make sure to hit on this today, give you some of my reactions to what we see that came out of the ACC media days. Reminder, as we talk about this, no divisions this year in the ACC. That is done and gone. So there's just 14 teams, one division all together. There were 176 voters for this, um, and that's for the preseason rankings, player of the year, first team, all ACC, all of that kind of stuff. Let me give you the rankings and a few other, again, things that I notice as I look at this. Number one, no surprise here, the Clemson Tigers, they are in this position for the eighth time in the past nine seasons. The top five following Clemson is FSU, then North Carolina at three, four is NC State, and five, Miami. Following them, Duke and Pitt are tied for sixth, Louisville eight, Wake Forest nine, Syracuse 10, and then the bottom four, Virginia Tech 11. Woof, wow. Georgia Tech 12, Boston College 13, and bringing out the the rear, the cellar dwellers, Virginia at 14. Yikes, wow. Now, four teams received first place votes out of these 176 voters. The vast, vast majority went to either Clemson, who got 103 first place votes, or Florida State, who got 67. So Clemson far outpaced Florida State, who extremely far outpaced third place Tar Heels, who received five first place votes, and NC State got one. So meaning Clemson and Florida State combined to get all but six of the first place votes. And, you know, could probably guess who those voting for the Tar Heels and Wolfpack were. So here's what's interesting about this to me. So we take this ranking, and then I like to look at it and see. All right, Mac Brown told us he believes this is one of the toughest schedules he's ever faced. And I know right now I'm just looking at the ACC side of it, because obviously what he's saying is including Minnesota and South Carolina, et cetera. App State, obviously I don't want to denigrate them. But as I look about the ACC side of the schedule, for the Tar Heels, in terms of their ACC foes, here it is in order and what that team was ranked in this preseason ranking to help us get a better idea of just how tough the media voters believe this schedule will be. So Carolina's first ACC game is at Pitt, who was tied for sixth, then hosting Syracuse, who was voted 10th, then hosting Miami, who's voted fifth, and then Virginia voted 14th. So three straight ACC games at home. Nice to have Miami sandwiched between Syracuse and Virginia, who at least on paper project to not be as good. But then the final four ACC games at Georgia Tech, who's voted 12th, which is nice, but we all know Carolina hadn't necessarily handled Georgia Tech recently. So let's not get all 
our chickens counted before they start hatching on us. Uh, following Georgia Tech would be hosting Duke, who was tied for sixth in the poll. But then, man, closing it out at Clemson, voted number one in the poll, and then at NC State, voted number four in the preseason ACC poll. So what I did was I took all of those numbers, tied for six, 10, 5, 14, 12, tied for six, one, and four, all eight of those games and averaged it out. And Carolina's average opponent like ranking in the ACC preseason poll is 7.25. So essentially right down the middle. And so I know Coach Brown says this is a very hard schedule, and it is. But at least based on preseason projections and expectations, is right down the middle. Now, I didn't go through and do this for the other 13 teams, admittedly. But that's where Carolina's number comes out. An average of playing what the media believes will be the 7.25 you know, teams is how that averages out. What I did do, though, for looking at what other teams are going to face is take the teams that were considered the top five in this poll and how often they would have to face off against each other because I thought that would be an interesting exercise. So again, the top five were Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, NC State, and Miami. The team that faces the fewest of the other four of the top five is Florida State, who only plays two of the remaining four in the top five, at Clemson and hosting Miami. North Carolina and North Carolina State each play three of the other four schools, for the Tar Heels, you know it because we just talked about it, but they host Miami and then at Clemson, at NC State, and those two road games are back-to-back. Yikes there. NC State, for them, all three of theirs are at home against the perceived other top five in the conference versus Clemson, versus Miami, versus North Carolina. Again, all at home. Uh, keep in mind, Clemson and Miami, that'll be back-to-back for the Wolf Pack there. But then... Boy, this gets tough. Both Clemson and Miami have to play all the other four schools in that top five. So for Clemson, they host Florida State, they're at Miami, at NC State, and then they host North Carolina. And those two road games, Miami and NC State, are back-to-back for Clemson. So that's going to be a really tough test there. Now for Miami, I think they got the roughest draw of all these (laughs) five schools listen to this so they play all four of the other top five at carolina versus clemson at nc state at fsu so not only do they play all of the other four teams considered to be the top five in the acc but three of the four are on the road and they play all four of these games in a five-week span with virginia sandwiched right smack dab in the middle so that's nice for Miami because they get to play Virginia, who's expected to be the worst team in the conference, right in the middle. But the two games before and the two games after are at Carolina versus Clemson and then at at NC State, at Florida State. So Mac Brown, uh, I hear him, but uh, I wouldn't trade what the Tar Heels have for what Miami's got. Gross. No thank you and good luck to the Canes in doing that. Well, as you are probably well aware, realignment took a weird and wacky curve on Friday as the Pac-12 disintegrated all around us. I'd love to talk about some of that 
where it looks like things are at for the ACC right now and what it means for the Tar Heels, because that's why we're here. And we'll do all that in just a second. All right, folks. Whew, the Pac-12. It's weird, but I think it's done. It's over. Last week, you know, it was like, oh, well, this is... All right, Colorado, you know, coming back to the Big 12. That's the big realignment news. But oh boy, no. <laughs> now we get all this movement. The Pac-12, as of this time next year, unless something else changes, only will have four schools remaining. Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. That ain't moving the needle for anybody. So the Arizona schools and Utah follow Colorado to the Big 12. So starting next year, um, you know, obviously this year, all those AAC schools joined the Big 12. And so that, <clears throat> excuse me, was Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and Central Florida. And then next year, obviously Texas and Oklahoma go off and join the SEC. But now we're bringing in these four Pac-12 schools, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. And so the Big 12 will go from 10 last year to 14 this year to looking like they were going to drop back to 12, losing Texas and Oklahoma, but actually bump up to 16. So here's the wild thing is this time last year, I thought the Big 12 was going to be done because they were losing everything and people were going to start picking them apart. But no, they flipped it around and they they decided to be one of the aggressors. And I think right now, they're probably third in the driver's seat behind the Big Ten and the SEC. And the ACC is, is sitting fourth right now. I think that's where we're at. Now, the Big Ten went, right now they still have 14. We know that, we already know that USC and UCLA were going to come over next year. But now... Oregon and Washington are going to join as well. So the Big Ten will get four Pac-12 schools and the Big 12 will get four Pac-12 schools. And listen, I'm an East Coast guy. Grew up on the ACC and being in, in Atlanta, obviously saw a ton of SEC too. Most of my family were Jordan or UGA fans. And so I probably admittedly have some East Coast bias in me like people always talk about. But good grief, this grieves me. Uh, I, I hate to see the Pac-12 go down for crying out loud. It's been a conference since 1915. My frustration is that this just continues to be about the almighty dollar. You know, people like Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, just driving so much of this, it feels like. And I think the people that get caught in the crosshairs on this, the, the innocent bystanders, are us, the people that love sports, that are here because we want to talk about it and enjoy it and make it part of our lives. The fans are the innocent bystanders here. And you can't tell me that these student-athletes, yes, I know that NIL is a thing now, and so they're able to benefit off of that. But this is not for their good. If you want to maintain any semblance of having the word student in the name of these young men and women who are participating in these sports, you can't even begin to try to tell me that 
you know, a kid from Rutgers flying across the country to go play at Oregon is going to be a good thing for their scholasticism or whatever. Now, the on on court and on field and on turf, whatever side of this is going to be fine. We're still going to have high, high level athletic endeavors, and that side of it's going to be great. But what about the people losing their jobs over this? What about the non-rev? Because like so many of the Pac-12 schools are like are like Carolina or like a lot of the Big Ten schools who have tons of varsity athletics. What happens when those budgets get slashed or they're joining a conference that doesn't support all of them, like the Big 12? What happens to all of that? I just, I'm grieved for the landscape of college athletics. I'm grieved for the fans. I'm grieved for the student athletes. I'm grieved for the, for the people that woke up Thursday and Friday with jobs that woke up this weekend and either now don't have one or aren't going to have one very soon. Man, it's, it's tough. And listen, we're going to move forward and things are going to be all right. But I just want to I want to sit in the like ugh of it for a little bit before we have to move on. Now, as for the ACC, the funny thing is, is at, at least in some regard, because the grant of rights seems to be so ironclad because the media rights deal goes for another 85 years, it feels like there's not any movement. And yes, from a financial standpoint, the conference falls behind. But from a membership standpoint, I know Florida State's making all sorts of wacky noise right now, but it's the same teams together. And it has been since 2014, 15, I believe, was when the ACC moved to its current uh, stable of 14 football teams and 15 college basketball teams. So, I mean, there, there's something to be said for that level of consistency. Now, obviously, people are not happy and <clears throat> trying to take chase the dollars. I don't like what Florida State's trying to do, but I'll tell you this. I love that Bubba Cunningham is standing up for the Tar Heels and standing up for our conference. Um, it's one of those clear indications where it's like, man, I, I go to bat with that dude any day of the week. Love to see it. And I hope he continues to speak out and speak up and defend the Tar Heels. It makes me feel certain that, like, whereas the Pac-12, part of the reason they've fallen apart is because they were not shrewd and aggressive. That's why the Big 12 is thriving, seemingly, right now. And I believe why North Carolina will, too, because I don't, I don't believe that Bubba Cunningham will let the Tar Heels get caught up um, in, in something that screws them over in the way that those four remaining Pac-12 Pack four schools got screwed over. So that's where I'm at. I'm sad about it nationally and for a lot of various groups. I'm feeling comfortable and confident about the Tar Heels and their spot. Um, it seems like nothing is going to be able to happen with the ACC for some time, but I mean, we're going to have to wait and see. But the good news is, while everyone else is moving around and scrambling, we got the same teams, you know? Um, so unless Notre Dame gets scared or skittered and wants to come join, <clears throat> which I haven't still haven't seen any ramblings of, you just keep on going. 
and uh, you you turn when the tide turns, and when it doesn't, you just keep on sailing. That's where we're at today, and uh, we'll keep talking about it. Certainly, we will do so. Quick, quick tidbit: uh, fall sports is about to kick off. Less than two weeks away from right now, there will be regular season competition. Next Thursday, August 17th, women's soccer is at Penn State, 7 o'clock Eastern. In fact, the women's soccer team has an exhibition today, 1 p.m. against College of Charleston. So check that out. One quick other note in getting out. Remember Johnny Furphy, the Australian kid that like blew up a couple weeks ago? We talked about him was really excited about the potential and he did indeed reclass but you've probably heard that he chose kansas so the jayhawks who were already strong get stronger so there we go all right that's it for today's episode of locked on tar heels great to be back together this week and looking forward to more conversation tomorrow make sure you tune in for all of that I want to thank you for making our show your first listen or watch of the day. It means so much to us. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe on audio or video formats. Smash the like button to let us know you're here if you're watching. And don't forget to leave your comments as well. I want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll talk again tomorrow, but until then... Peace.